0: you guys uh, pray with me here real quick before I start? Heavenly Father, I thank you a lot for this evening. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak your word, to be able to serve you tonight. I pray that um, you speak through me tonight and that whatever I say comes from you and it's not mine. Amen. So uh, on Saturday, I went to a wedding with Eric, right? And uh, It was a beautiful wedding. Um, Like, it started an hour late, but it was, like, really cute, right? So, like, the couples, like, they read each other, like, uh, their letters and everything. And, like, you know how guys are, like, no emotion, right? He just, like, he speaks to it. He's like, honey, I love you, all that, right? But when she does it, like, she starts, like, crying and everything, and I'm like, oh, that's that's love, you know? So I'm walking to the car with Eric, and he's like, oh, I'm going up to Hume in a week, right? And he said, "If Haley's preaching this week, and if Haley gets sick, you're preaching. So I just looked at him like, (laughs) I was like, you got jokes today. I'm lying on my bed on Sunday, and she sends a text, and she's like, I'm not feeling good. My throat hurts. I took like a cool minute to reply back to her. It was like 45 minutes of just like, Lord, please, someone help, someone help, Cool. <laughs> uh, is Claire here? No? I really need her right now. No, no, she's in here? Yeah, she's gonna get her. All right, let's wait for Claire. Do we have Jeopardy music? Nah, 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 nah. All right, no? Wow. Claire? Linko? No? Wow. See, this is why we rely on God and not human, right? <laughs> like, God will never fold. Like, God is always on time. Like, humans, like, Claire, can you keep my wallet so for me? I'm sorry, bro. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. Can you're good. you trust me? I don't know. All right, gonna... keep my wallet for me. Thank you. All right, so the title of today's message is Hall of Fate. And um, we've been going through the Book of Hebrews, and we've, uh, I'm going to do a re- uh, really short recap. The Book of Hebrews was r- likely written by Paul around 60 to 62 A.D., before his second imprisonment in Rome. Um, it was written during a time when the church was facing persecution. So um, it was like 30 years after Jesus had ascended and went up to heaven, right? And these were, these were the very first Christians, and they were going through a lot. So he wrote this book with the intent to motivate them during that time, so they continued pressing on and to remind them that Christ was greater than all the challenges they were facing. Um, today we'll be looking at chapter 11 and discussing the subject of faith. All right, what is faith? Um, if you have your Bible, please turn to, with me to Hebrews 11.1. One. Cool. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we hope uh, and what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was, not, was made out of what is not seen. All right, so obviously we all know that the Bible wasn't written in English. Is there anyone who didn't know that? Claire. All right, <laughs> the Greek word used to describe fate in this first verse is pistis. Um, pistis means belief or trust and reliability, right? So believing in something because you have good reason to believe it. And One thing I want to say before we go deeper into this is that the Bible does not promote, like, a leap of blind faith. I think many of us were told by, like, culture and society that, you know, when you believe in something, you take a leap, right? But have you ever believed in something without reason to believe in it? No, right? Um, Now, in that very first verse, it says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The Greek word used for assurance here is hypostasis. And apostasis means the underlying foundation that supports everything else. Like, this stage right now, right? It's like the foundation that's like supporting me. And like, if there was a earthquake right now and I fell, like, you guys would not get a sermon, I would just walk out. Cool. (laughs) The the Greek word that is translated as conviction in this verse is elikos. And elikos means a proof, or that by which a thing is proved or tested. So, we can see from this verse that faith is the foundation of what we believe in that we can't see, but we can prove or have good reason to believe in. So, with faith, we can trust in ideas and people that are deserving of our trust. Through faith, we gain understanding. That's the very first point. Through faith, we gain understanding. Uh, Because true faith should always lead you to understanding. Um, If you... If your fate doesn't allow you to understand more, if it doesn't give you like a better idea of what you believe in, then it, it's not real fate. Um, so when I gave my wallet to Claire, I give it to her because I had a reasonable belief that she would give it back to me. I put my fate in her because I know who she is, because I know her character and I have good reason to believe that she would give it back to me. Um, the very first time I met Claire, or like I knew about who she was, it was, uh, Last year over quarantine. Do you guys remember those like, videos they did for like virtual summer camp? Where like Claire was in there and she was like. and like running back and forth, right? I was like, she's a character. <laughs> oh, now. Love you, Claire. <laughs> all right. Okay, back then, I probably would have trusted Claire with my wallet. I think we can all agree, right? That if you wanted to go to the restroom right now, and you didn't, like, let's say you're wearing pants without pockets, like a weirdo or something like that, um, you'd have been like, oh, I'm with other Christians, right? And I can give them my wallet. They can hold it for me while I go to the restroom. But there's something about knowing that person on, like, a deep personal level, where, like, you have, like, a trust for them, right? So, I know Claire. I, I trust her very much, <laughs> I think. <laughs> We're still working on it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and my point is that you can't have faith in someone unless you know their character. Um, the only way to really know God's character is by reading the Bible. And I'm so sorry. That's not really cliche right now. Like a year ago when I was sitting in these seats, it was always read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. You know, and I was like, all right, bro, I get it. Uh, but you can't, you can't put your trust in someone if you don't know who they are. And the Bible is a a book about God's character. It's who God is, right? So we read the Bible to know who God is. And by reading the Bible, we we learn to trust him because we see that he's a trustworthy God. We can't learn to put our trust in him unless we know him well. That's why there's so much emphasis on reading the Bible daily. Because it's hard to trust a God unless you know he's trustworthy and he truly wants the best of your life. Many of us probably have a hard time turning to God when things get rough because we don't know him well. So, I mean, I know I do this in my personal life. Like, we all go through, through like struggles, or so like period of time, right? Where you're like, last week in HSM, they said, I should trust God, I should trust God, right? But you're like, I'm just, I'm not feeling it right now. And I think, I go, I go through that too. And I think you, you really, you learn to trust God when you read about the Bible more. like For example, uh, with quarantine, I did not get a senior year. That was mad depressing, right? And to make matters worse, I was a senior class president. So whenever like, they canceled like a class event, it was always, Kaius, why don't we have this? Kaius, why don't we have that, right? Kaius, why don't we have prom? I'm not the principal, bro. <laughs> so it was like a really depressing period, because I was like, for 12 years of my life, I've looked forward to all these things that I was promised that I was gonna do and I never got to do them. Um, Something that really helped me was reading the book of Psalms because in the book of Psalms, David is like depressed a lot. I think like, if David was around now, he'd be that one emo kid. It's always, God, why, why, why? (laughs) Saul is after me again. Like, you know, it's always, and I, I read it and I'm like, well, you better chill out. Like, it's not that deep. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's, like, a certain joy of knowing that you can be, like, in the worst season of your life. And you still have, like, reasons to trust God. You still have reasons to put your, your hope, your faith in God. And I think that's, that's why we read the Bible. You can't you can't learn to trust God unless you know who He is, and um, if you've never really read your Bible, I'll recommend that um, you find a devotional, or you pick like a book to start with. The book I started with was John, and it was beautiful. Um, Claire, can I have my wallet back? Thank you. For a moment there, I was scared. All right, <laughs> my life isn't. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so. One of the reasons I'm Christian is we don't serve a God who's like, trust me, bro. Like, there's reason to believe that God will do what he says he will do. There's, he can back it up, right? It's not just, you know, read the Bible, trust me. There's reasons to trust, me, trust God. And I believe that in the Bible, God gives us reasons to trust him through prophecy. Uh, first prophecy, I want uh, us to look at is, uh, a prophecy that Isaiah told, and the prophecy, in this prophecy, he said, there would be a guy named Cyrus, and he would destroy a city called Babylon. He would subdue Egypt when most of the rest of the world, and then desi- he would decide to let the Jewish people go free after he had gone on his rampage or whatever. And Isaiah gave this prophecy 150 years before Cyrus was born, right? And it was 180 years before he did any of this, and so I think now, with like all the like modern technology we have, you can like you know probably like you know create like a computer program that you know predicts the future or like tell you tells you what you know, lot, where to go to buy lottery or whatever. But you know back then when they didn't have like any of that, when it, it's like this is a guy in the desert and he's like, bro, those guys over there, those tough guys. 150 years from now, like, th- things are going to go bad for them. Like, Cyrus will destroy them. He'll wreck them, you know? And he, he's going to take over. He's going to capture the Jewish people, but he's going to let them go. I think that, that says something about God. Because no man can know that by themselves. That's God, right? And the probability of that coming to pass is 1 in 10 with 15 zeros. That's crazy, bro. I mean, I'm not really a mad person, but that's, that's a lot of zeros. All right, the second prophecy I the to look at is um, a prophecy um, Moses told that the Jewish people would be conquered twice and they will be carried off as slaves each time. And the first time would be by the Babylonians and the second conqueror would take the Jews captive to Egypt and ships. And These prophecies came to pass in 607 BC and 70 AD. And he said that the Jews would remain scattered throughout the world. And they would return to Palestine one day to reestablish their country for a second time. We've all had history class, right? And I don't know about you, uh, but has anyone kept up with the news over the past year uh, with Israel and Palestine? You see how that came to pass, right? And it wasn't just they'll return back. He added all these extra steps. And he, it happened over a span of 3,500 years. It's not like some big like conspiracy, you know? This was from God. And the, the chance of that being fulfilled is 1 in 10 to 20 zeros. And so from these prophecies, we can, we can see that the, the Bible gives us reasons to believe that God is who he says he is. These prophecies show us the nature of God, the abilities he possesses. And it shows us that the God we serve is a living God. He's aware of us and he's knowledgeable about what happens and what will happen. And so my question for you is, if a God that knows all there is tells you what will happen and what he will do, why shouldn't you trust his promises? I actually thought someone was gonna raise their hand. All right, cool. God doesn't just say trust me, bro. He gives you like reasons why you should trust him and his plan for your life. And if you read the Bible, like I don't think anyone has anyone done the Bible in the ear thing. No, the Bible in the ear plan, like where you read like front like cover, cover to cover. No, I think if you read it cover to cover, you see you see who God is, and you see why we can put our trust in him. You know, faith allows us to trust in an awful future. And overcome present challenges. That's the second point. In Hebrews 11:2, it says, "This is what the ancients were commended for." The ancients were well respected because of their fate. Their lives are good examples of fate. So um, I said earlier that Paul wrote Hebrews because the early Christians were going through a lot right now, right? And they were really discouraged. So in this chapter, he gives a lot of examples of what fate looks like. He's trying to motivate them, right? And verses 4 through 31 recount, like, famous Bible stories we all know. And he's using them as examples to point us a better understanding of fate. Um, let's see. Because of his fate, at the very start of the Bible, because of his fate, Abel gave a better offering than his brother Cain. Because of his fate, Enoch became one of the only two people that God allowed to escape death. Because of his fate, Noah's family was spared of the flood. Because of their fate, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to a nation. Because of his fate, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau according to God's will. Because of his fate, Jacob trusted God with the fate of his descendants. Because of his fate, J- Joseph saw the future and knew one day that the children of Israel will leave Egypt. And he acted on that fate by giving instructions for his bones to be carried away when he left. So dude is making funeral plans for something that's going to happen. You have to have like pretty radical fate, like, you know, pretty big fate to like trust what God says is going to happen. Uh, I don't know how people, like, ride wheels. Like, like, I, I don't think I, like, I could sit down and be like, uh, all right, so uh, my, on my property goes to my son Greg, and the cars, like, how, like, how, do, you, how do you make plans for your debt? Like, you, you have to have something you trust in, something you really rely upon, uh, something that's pushing you, you know, something that's greater than you. Um, because of their fate, Moses' parents defied Pharaoh's order and they saved their son. Uh, to me, this one is deep because not only are they putting their, themselves at like, risk of death, right? Y'all know how moms are. Like, my mom's kinda, oh, she's right here, I can't see that. Um, <laughs> cool, so I go to college like a month from now and my stuff is packed up because they don't like me anymore. Like They're done with me. <clears throat> I can cry about that another day, but um, there's not a day that's gone by this summer when my mom's been like, are you going to call me when you get to college? Uh, like, will we still talk, right? I'm going to miss you. Like, how is our home going to be like without you? And so I think woman, because of, you know, you you carry a child in, like, your your body for nine months. Just imagine that willingness to let that child go, you know? That's... That's pretty radical fate. Um, because of his fate, Moses gave up being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose instead to suffer with God's people because that suffering was worth more than the fleeting pleasures he could gain from Pharaoh's palace. I'm not going to lie. This one would have been rough for me, right? Like, if my grandpa was, like, you know, like, the king of, like, the most powerful nation at the time, and then God is like, oh, go, like, go to, like, these slaves and, like, Slum it out in the desert with them for like 40 years. I'd be like, I'm cool. I'm chilling here. Um, like, you can find someone else, you know. But Moses, he sees that there's more than that. There, that God has something greater, something better in store for him, and that all the pleasures, the, you know, the title, the fame, the power, it, it means nothing. That what God wants for him, God's plan for the Israelites. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot better than that. Because of her fate, the prostitute Rahab turned from the Canaan gods and chose to identify with the God of Israel and his people. And because of this fate, she, she was saved from dead and became one of Jesus' ancestors. Did you guys know that? That one of Jesus' like great-great-great-great-great-grandmoms great was like a prostitute? Like, she lived this life of sin, right? And God still gave her like a title of honor because she chose to like turn to Him. Um, she could have easily said, you know, this is what everyone knows me for, and I'm like too deep in my shame, too deep in my guilt. But she she decides to trust God. She helps those spies out, um, and now we're here talking about her. You know, that's pretty cool. I hope someone talks about me like 300 years from now, right? Like I hope to like, I don't know. I hope like they dig up like a, a time capsule and like, what will be in there? I hope like there's like a yearbook of me and like it's like signed or something, and like, guys, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the other heroes that are mentioned in this entire chapter are Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and they were mentioned because they were great reminders for the persecuted Christians at the time of what living a life of faith looked like, right? What trusting in God looked like. That you could have all of the world or you could be in a really good position or you you could have to give up something, right? But there were good examples that always putting your trust in God, you know, making that decision, putting everything you have in him is always better then, you know, just staying with what you have right now. And I, the third point is fate is rewarded. Um, oh, wow. <clears throat> I think these, these next two points are, like, contradictory, and you're going to catch that real sin. So in verse 33 to 35, it says, through fate they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And it's talking about all these heroes, right? They could have been like normal, everyday people, but because they chose to put their faith in God, to put their trust in God, God allowed them to do really great things. in life, it's going to be like that. I think a sign that, a sign that something great is about to happen through you is when God asks you to do something, like, pretty big, like, pretty radical. Like, something that, like, makes you, like, go back and take a step. Like, what? Like, when you have that type of reaction, what he's trying to do through you is something really great. Um, and the last point is faith brings suffering. I know, right? Like, we were just talking about how God does, like, great stuff to you, and then now there's, like, suffering. Oh. Don't, don't blame me. It's God's word. All right, cool. Um, so, 30, verses 35 to 38 say this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. <laughs> that's not funny, I'm sorry. <laughs> they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Oh my God. Um, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. All right, um, that's a lie. Um, have y'all ever been in a situation where like you have like friends and like something happens and that friend group like splits up and like you were just like trying to help out but like now both sides like hate you like you were just like bro I was just like trying to like fix what was going on and then like y'all turned your backs against me and you're like I don't know how that happened bro like these early Christians, that was what they were going through. Christianity started out as a sect in Judaism, right? The Jewish faith. And the Jews were like, they just killed Jesus, right? Because, you know, he'd done something blasphemous. He, he called himself God. And the first Christians were Jews and their own Jewish brothers and sisters wouldn't take them anymore. I and mean, then they spread around, they spread the message, and at the time, the Romans controlled everywhere, everything, right? And the Romans persecuted them as well. And at that time, those were like probably the two major like people groups that, you know, ran things, you know, right? Like, in their lives, and no one was on their side. And with the Jews, you would think that, you know, you know someone was like, you know, Hey, bro. Like, we don't agree on all the same like beliefs and stuff. But at least you're not a Roman who's been like oppressing us, right? Or with the Romans, you would think, um, hey, at least you're at least you're not a Jew and you're not keeping yourself away from us. And when I say that, I mean that um, in the Old Testament. You guys know about the Levit- Levitical laws, right? Um, cut here, wear, um, cut your hair a certain way. Don't wear like certain clothes don't eat um, what was it? Pork? Shrimps? Seafood? All that stuff? I remember the time freshman year, I was trying to like, go to the barbershop and get a fade, and my mom pulled that on me. She was like, Leviticus 17, like, I was like, what? She was like, Leviticus 17, whatever it was it says, don't cut your hair a certain way, right? Bro, I was like, pressed. I was like I was stressed out. I was like <laughs> I was like Am I living a life of sin every moment I have this taper? <laughs> like, God, is this so much like just one, like a fresh lineup? Like, <laughs> is, it, is, like is, it, is it that deep, you know? And these laws, as like, where does this sound now to us? We believe that Jesus fulfilled them on the cross, right? But these laws separated them from the Romans. So, like, the reason God gave them these laws is after they left um, Egypt, right? He didn't want them to be around the pagan people. He didn't want them to become infected. (laughs) Because you guys remember when, you know, Moses goes up, he comes down, there's that golden calf, and he's like, bro, I was just gone for a minute. Y'all couldn't wait? Like, damn. You know, so God gives them these rules, right? It's like, don't associate with them, don't eat with them, stay away from them. So you have to, like, I would think as a Roman, you're like, these people think they're too good for us, right? You'd be like who do you think you are? We're the Romans, you know, like, we, we, we run this, you know, like, and if I was a Roman, I'd be really annoyed, because why do they have this, like, holier-than-thou attitude? So I would think that as a Roman, you have this, like, sect of Judaism where the people don't believe in those rules anymore, where uh, Jesus has fu- uh, fulfilled them, and they don't apply to these Christians, and they're trying to, like, you know, not integrate themselves into society, but... Um, Reach out to these Romans. I would think that you know, the Romans will at least take them in. At least they're not the Jews, you know, right? But we, we don't see that. Um, they suffered. Like, they really went through it. Um, sometimes when like, I have a lot of friends who are like, you know, different religion, right? And you know, you, you hear like rude things sometimes about like, you know, what you believe, right? I think back about these people. I'm like, if I have to, like, endear someone, like, making fun of my beliefs, but these people were, like, killed by the sword, faced years and flogging, they were stoned to death, sawed in two, that's that's not on the same level. And so while we believe that with our faith in Jesus, one day we will get to that place, we'll get to that final destination where, you know, everything is right, where, you know, God's plan has been made perfect. Uh, we will face suffering and we will receive rewards at the same time. So I'm talking about, you know, being at school, right? And you have friends and, you know, they want to do something that you know is not Christ-like. That's, that's your persecution. You have to, like, you know, you have to, like, live with this temptation, right? And I would say don't give into it. Because these people they went through a lot, and we'll probably never face what they went through in our lifetimes, but we, we should look to them as examples too. So I told you that Paul writes this whole book, this letter, right, to, like, motivate them, and he has this hall of heroes, right, to, like, you know, give them examples of what to be like. And he answered with this verse, and he says, you have these people who you should be looking, like, to, like, as examples, and you have you. He puts them in the same category at the end. He says, you guys are like them. Your heroes like them too, you know? And, got the picture? All right, and I think a good analogy for this or a good example of what, something we should take from this is um, the Lakers uh, facility. That's Staples Stadium? Yeah, cool. (laughs) Um, I remember 2018, I was watching the NBA draft, right? and uh, Magic Johnson was uh, touring the Lakers facility with uh, Lonzo Ball, and he was with Lonzo Ball's dad, and he was like, one day, son, I want your jersey up there, and I want your name in the stands. Unfortunately, that didn't play out, and I um, was like, not balling right now, and like, I looked like a fool to my friends, because I was like, Lonzo, Lonzo, is the future, He's the future, it's the future. Gaius, 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 he said, Lonzo was the future. Oh, bro, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, I, said, Kuzma. I said Kuzma. I said Kuzma. I said Kuzma. Trust me, trust me. Um, so I want you to look at these jerseys in the rafters, and I want you to think of all the people that t- talked about. And imagine those people, those jerseys right there. Imagine that dad 52 said Abraham, 13 said Sarah, 22 said Abel, 25 said Joseph. And so on and so forth, right? That's what God wants for us. He wants us to live lives of fate, where we're, we're able to be in this hall of fate, where our fate can be credited to us, where we live, like, amazing lives, and that we live for God and fate. Um, and it's not easy, like, like I've said, right? There's, like, suffering that comes with it. But you have to believe that there's good reason to believe that, not... not I just contradicted myself. There's good reason to believe that that suffering is worth it, that what, it, um, what you go through is really worth it. And so um, let's bow our heads and pray. Oh, Father, Lord, thank you for a night like this. Um, thank you for what you're doing in the lives of all these people here. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity. Um, No, thank you daily. God forgive me. Um, I pray that as as we listen to your word right now, I pray that you help us to look to these people as great examples of faith and to live a life that pleases you and glorifies you. Um, I pray that anything that I've said tonight that is not of you, that these people please forget that. And uh, you continue to, like, work and move in their lives. Amen. Thank you. Amen.